Greetings, everybody. It's me, your host, James Major Burns of The Third Degree with James Major Burns. So, ladies and gentlemen, this is my first podcast, Not Being Donkey. And I am now Jimmy Thunder Early and Dream Girls. For all of you who have been listening, we are in the next episode of Life. And there's no more Shrek. Shrek ended. And Dream Girls opens September 6th. So all you cool cats and dogs out there listening, come and check us out. But get your tickets now at theyoungstownplayhouse.com or call the Youngstown Playhouse. Google the number because I can't think of it right now. So remember, everybody, this is a safe space, an outlet for myself and others to speak on things that's going on in our lives in our world. This platform is for self-expression, and we get to let you know what's going on behind the minds of the creatives, because what you always see isn't always the truth, okay? Sometimes you think you know somebody, and you don't really know them. You don't know them. Stop getting online, talking about people like you know them, and you don't know them. You barely know yourself. But anyways, moving forward, here we get to learn, laugh, love, and share together. So... Ladies and gentlemen, I've been talking about a person on the podcast for weeks now, and he is finally here. The legend, the myth, Curtis Taylor Jr., also known as my road dog, Joshua William Green. (laughs) What up, what up, what up? And the crowd goes wild. Blessings. Praise him and all that you do. He is worthy. Yes, give him praise. Give him praise. Well, (laughs) (laughs) yes, give him praise. Give him praise. He wants all of it. He He wants wants all all of your praise. I said that the other night when I was at the wedding scene. (laughs) I said, he wants all of your praise. I don't know if they got it, but I said it. So how are you? That is a complicated question, but... Well, tell us about it. We'll be here all night. I think I'm great, you know? Um, (laughs) Wow, just right out of the gate, that's what we're doing. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I've had a few, like, roller coaster of emotions, but, you know, I think I'm in a good place now. (laughs) Well, why don't you tell us about those roller coasters? Because we... I like roller coasters myself. Sure. Well, um, I think it's something that everybody you know, always has to deal with or go through. But um, being in the business that I'm in, uh, in musical theater and performing and all of those things, you know, you constantly have to do a self-check and like a check-in like with your life. Like, you know, how are you doing mentally? How are you doing spiritually? How do you feel about like the way that you look? How do you feel about the way that you sound right now? How do you feel about like, you know, all of those things? And then in line with, you know, trying to find more work and, you know, trying to make sure you're developing yourself in the way that you wanted to develop so that you can present yourself a certain way so that you can do a certain kind of work. (laughs) And um, just getting off of Finding Neverland in June and knowing that I was going to come home and get this break to like kind of refocus and rejuvenate which I need it because I always need that. That's why I yes. always come home. It's always <laughs> nice to have you in this little time here. I always come home. But this time we get to have you in another capacity. Yeah. You're here long yeah. enough to actually do a show with us, your friends. And we haven't been on stage. The two of us haven't hit the stage together 
since 2015 in the spectacular Cats. Yes, the box office hit Cats at the Youngstown Playhouse. I've yes. seen it. And, um, you know, we were tearing the streets down before that, but <laughs> how does it feel to come back here? It's like you were saying, like, you have to come back and kind of get yourself together and gather your thoughts before you decide what your next business move is. But in the meantime, you get to kind of let your hair down the little bit that you have left Um, and and just have some fun. You get to be around your family and your friends and you don't have to worry about everything that happens, you know, like when you're on the road. So how does it feel to come back and be Curtis Taylor Jr. first? (laughs) Well, for a while, it felt like Exactly that. It felt like I was coming back to be Curtis Taylor Jr. <laughs> but like, it, I felt like I was, I didn't totally relax it because I think there were things like that I couldn't get past, like in my brain that I was worried about. Um, and I'll, like anytime I come home, because there's everyone here has seen me, you know, grow up, they've either like worked with me or worked for me or like, you know, I have lots of relationships with people here that know me. And or think they know you. Or think they know me. And they, you know, they're either expecting a certain kind of thing or maybe they're expecting me to instruct them a certain kind of way. And a lot of times I feel like I'll have answers and if I don't have answers, I'll figure out how to find them. And then sometimes it's a lot of asking me things that I'm still trying to figure out as well. And I feel like that's the mode that I'm in now because of where my career is and I feel like I've mastered where I am and I want to keep moving forward and try and figure that out and like come home and do all this stuff. And go back to being that Josh (laughs) that you used to be where everybody's like, well, let me just ask Josh because he knows more. And now that you know even more and you've done what you've done, it's like, oh, well, (laughs) The ghost of the Youngstown Playhouse. But now that you've been on the road and to, to broad, the Broadway, the, the Grammys, just to, just to name a few, just to name a few, it's now even a bigger light on you and the things that you have done and the elevation that you have accomplished. So it's even more of an expectation that people are having, even when they don't know it. Versus, like you said, you felt like you were coming back to be Curtis versus just being excited to have Josh back a little bit. Yeah, it was a little. It was a little bit hard, and it was not because of anything anyone else did. It was because of me, and anyone who like is really close to me, like you, knows that like there are so many things in my life that I'm nitpicky about that bother me, and um, you know, like I thought my career was over when I got injured in 2015. You know, before cats, it was just like I was like, well, if I can't, because the way that I viewed myself was I was like, if I can't dance, like if I'm not a dancer, then I'm not marketable because why would they hire me to be something that wasn't like a singer dancer? You know what I mean? Right. Just, my, that's just how my brain was working. And it was like one of those worst fear kind of situations. And I didn't think that my other talents were that strong enough for me to actually work. And then, you know, soon after that, I actually started working and it was, you know, life changing. And I do view myself differently, but you know, that ankle injury and not having the body that I used to have still bothers me. Um, Anytime you go on the road, all that stuff is amplified because, you know, you're constantly on the road and depending on what kind of tour schedule you're on, it can be really rough. Like our schedule was very rough and it caused me 
my weight to go up and down because I need a strict schedule that I like, that I stay with. Like, you know, when I was living here and I was in good shape, you, you remember I used to just like, I ate a certain way. I had to run in the park every single day. I had to be a certain kind of way for it to work for me. And when you're on tour, sometimes that's just thrown out the window. You get weeks where you're, you're doing four and five cities in seven days. So you're not going to have the time or the energy to like be in the gym how you want to be and this and the other. And it's like, sometimes it sounds ridiculous, but you'll look and be like, oh, I gained four pounds. And I'm like, okay, great. I gained four pounds. And then like an hour later, you find you're actually like stressed out about the fact that you gained four pounds. <laughs> and it's, it, it, it can all pile up. And then of course, like I have always had like severe sinus and allergy issues. Like it's just always Ooh, been there. Lord, do we know. Came back to Ohio and them things smacked me in the face. And it started to make me, it was weird, but it made me feel very bad about myself. Like I was like, I was like getting into bad headspaces. Like, I don't think you're gonna like continue in this career because you can't get a hold of your body. <laughs> you started talking to me about that, like with your voice a little bit, um, maybe last week sometimes. And because I have known you for a while and um, been like around you, like I know like how like crazy bad it gets, and it's it's. It's almost like unbelievable to me like that happens when you're here and that the weather is having an effect on your body, which is causing you not to be able to do something like sing, which being a singer, <laughs> you need to be able to do. And I've always been like, even even I was younger, like before that was an issue. If I got sick and I lost my voice, like that was the most depressing couple of days ever. Because it was like, if I can't sing, I don't know what I'm like, even not even to be a professional, but just like if right, I can't wash dishes and sing, like uh. I'm loose, like it does something to me psychologically. <laughs> so I was struggling and my voice has been different since I've been here. And then of course I got a sinus infection because why not? And because it's August. Just dealing with, like, I have a voice right now, and it's completely different. And I'm singing, it, it almost feels like a voice that I had years ago that's different from the voice that I'm used to now. Just oh, like the day when you were like, I don't know why, but all I can do is belt today. Yeah, and <laughs> it's still like that. Like, it's been like that for about a week now. It's just like, and I've gotten a little bit better. The, uh, the concert last night with the Packard Band went really well, and one of the things that was very helpful for me was the fact that when I had to do all of these different kind of styles of music for the first time in a month, like all of the voices were there. <laughs> so, like, you know, I had a panic for most of the day because I, I was, you know, doing my normal regiments and warming up and um, drinking my little like concoctions that I drank to get rid of mucus and stuff right. like that. And I didn't take any of the allergy meds that I usually take for like the past 24 hours. And, you know, we went to sing um, you'll never walk alone. And like their version of it is just very long. It's very dramatic and very legit. And that's actually a forte of mine. Like I sing more, you know, classical music, golden age music. I'm really good at that. Mm -hmm. But lately I have not been because that section of my voice has been missing in action. So, but it was there yesterday and I was very happy about that. And I got to sing a bunch of stuff that I wanted to sing and I wanted to showcase and I was able to showcase myself. And it was very reassuring. Because up until yesterday, I was still struggling, even though Dreamgirls is going great. And, like, I feel like I'm doing fine. I feel like I'm singing fine. In the back of my head, I was still, like, struggling. Like, man, this is not, I'm not at the level that I want to be at. I'm not physically able to operate the way I want to operate. Like, am I actually doing well or does am I doing this really bad? Does it have anything to do with, like, 
um, your place like in our group of friends or being back on stage with our group of friends and what you have done and what we expect of you already, again, like from knowing how you operate and now that, you know, it's like regardless of how you feel about yourself as a performer and how we are confident in our abilities, you still kind of want like I want people to see my growth and especially my peers to hopefully so I can hopefully tell that there is growth it's like well because somebody has to see it i can't be the only one seeing that i'm growing like like, did you see it (laughs) well of course of course that that it's kind of 50 50 because of course that plays into it and anytime you go somewhere where you know you have a reputation it's like the reputation like fights you on the way in there it doesn't matter how much you've done it how much you've been around for instance like i've you know i was in youngstown connection for the youngstown connection (laughs) and like Even now, sometimes I'll go back to teach a song or something, and I'll find myself while I'm dealing with these kids that I know they do respect me, and I work with them all the time, and like Dr. Bear, who I love, I'll still catch myself where I'll be kind of nervous, like, oh, what do they think about me? Like, you know, what? Like, they're not family, or like, I haven't been doing it for literally 15 years, but like, I still my brain still gets tripped up on like, oh, everyone knows this about you, or everybody expects you to be. X, Y, and Z. And I do get caught up sometimes with it. But what's comforting about being here with Dream Girls and you guys and doing this with my friends and like people who I've literally performed with since the beginning or taught, you know, and advise and just get there to encourage. The nice thing about it is because I do get the privilege to be so open with you guys that some of that goes away where I feel like I also have some comfort too because you. Because like you said, you've been around, you know what I deal with and stuff, my voice in Ohio or just like anything on a day-to-day basis. Like, you know me, Trey knows me, you know? So there is like a comfort where even though I was feeling uncomfortable, I still felt like I was in a safe place, right? you know, with safe people. So it, it was kind of, Dream Girls is a little different. It's kind of 50-50 because it is very much like if I was going to choose like my inner circle of friends be with almost all of them are in the show already. So it's not just people I know. It's people who like actually know me for real, for real, not like kind of know me. And with things like for me with like, um, the songs, I, when I was in Shrek, I felt like I was singing better than I had sang like ever. So half of it was because I thought I was just in a place mentally and physically where I felt so good that my body was able to produce this type of sound. So I, and for Donkey's role, I feel like the songs are this like kind of growly type of singer, which I don't really feel like is my actual voice. So it's like singing with an accent. And then for Jimmy, I don't feel like I'm this soulful singer. So I I feel like I'm trying hard to sound like um, th- this type of singer. I get that. So Trey gave feedback to me like on my acting, but like he didn't say anything about my singing to where I don't feel like I'm sounding great or good and I want to sound better. I want to be able to like, you know, master the songs. And I, I sing and I can hear myself and I'm like, I feel like I just sound like me, but I wanted to sound better. So like I was only here for like two days when we were going over it, but still I'm like, well, what, what, what is it? Do you think? <laughs> and it gets to a place where people will be like, well, I know you're going to do a good job. And I'm like, okay, but besides that, um, yeah. like, and what do you think? It's hard to be in, there's like a, well, there's two things I want to say about that. Like, there's a stigma that I'm still trying to break through with myself just when it comes to being a black performer in this business and then doing a black show. 
because there's always a certain expectation of you to sing and act and sound a certain kind of way, you know, from our people. And then also from people who are not our people. And I have always had the biggest issue and the biggest problem because naturally with what I'm good at, I've never fit in that bubble, in that category ever. Like I've just not, I've not like, as much as I have sung, as much as I have sung professionally, I sang professionally many times before I ever sang a solo at church because I went to Mount Calvary Pentecostal Church where they sang. And it was, it's a I was respected. Yeah, I was respected as a singer. I sang on the praise team, I sang in the choir. I did directing and stuff like that, but I did not want to lead worship because I didn't, I was like, I'm not that kind of singer. And it bothered me where I couldn't even get comfortable in the style and do what I could do. Now I can, but it bothered me so much because like all of my closest friends, like, you know, like Janae Oliver, like Janae can sing anything and she's going to do, you know, the simplest of delivery and it's going to touch you. And then she's going to do like a thousand runs after that. And they're going to be so super clean and those are going to touch you. And it's not going to feel like it's overdone. And I'm just like, not that kind of a singer. So I struggle because in this business, so many of the roles that we did have that were featured, they were featured because it was the random that black kind of guy style. or girl, random black guy or random black girl singing the soul because it was something at the time that they could not do. So, you know what I mean? Like, now we got white singers be singing. We got Tori Kelly's and all that other stuff. But you know what I mean? Like, Shoshana was, Bing. That's the there girl. was a <laughs> Shoshana. You know, I Shoshana. love Shoshana. But you know what I mean? Like, you were featured in these roles were made for singers like that because they were able to do something that they couldn't do. And I, for a long time, I always felt like, as a person who is trained in all the other areas, it's like, where do I fit? How do I get in? Where do I fit? Because... Until people like Audra McDonald, Brian Stokes Mitchell, and you know Joshua Henry, Norm Lewis, until they started breaking ways for me personally, because they are, they starred and were colorblind cast in shows that were not black shows or soul shows or like stuff like you know what I mean like they were doing classical shows and Rodgers and Hammerstein and and it's like those are the things that I've always been good at, but. I'm competing to get cast in an area where I'm very insecure. And so that was like another added thing about coming home to play Curtis because I've always wanted to be in the show. I have always wanted to be Curtis because I know I fit Curtis, but the style of the show is not my forte. I can do it, but it's not, it's not like something that I can sing in my sleep and do it all the time. And so like that added like, Okay, am I doing this right? Do I sound good? And then we have people in the show who don't do theater, but they they sing down, like Charlene. You know what I mean? Like Charlene is singing this music. And, you know, here I am, like person who just got off a tour, supposedly doing this for a living. And I'm still like, okay, do I sound good? <laughs> right. Because <laughs> this this ain't what I usually do. And it I've spent I spent a lot of time second guessing like things that were actually good. Like Things that were really good. You ever and I'm hear like, yourself back and good. think, I'm like, well, that didn't sound... Like, I heard myself on a few different, like, recordings in Shrek, and I was like, I was struggling really hard to produce those sounds, and it sounds really good, but me being on stage under the microphone, under the lights, with a costume over my ears, where mm-hmm. I could barely hear, I'm like, it don't sound great to me. But I'm just, I'm like, I'm pushing yeah. through. Yep. And, like, for Jimmy, I feel like... um he is my type of character to play for the energy. But as much as people think like I'm really like Jimmy in real life, I'm not. You know, I'm mm-hmm, not that course. much like him or like like seaweed. I'm like I'm similarities, but I'm not that 
type of person in real life. And even like his energy, like he always like, he has like really, really, really high energy all the time. It's just really, really loud, really exuberant. And his songs are the same way. And I'm like, dang, I didn't realize how often he's belting all of these songs. So then my examples are like Billy Porter. Why why are we doing this? The example is like Billy Porter to listen to his music and the other guys, um, the guy who originally um, played Curtis, which I, I don't know his name on Broadway, but he had a very deep, soulful voice. So I'm just like, okay, I, don't, I can't do that. And then Billy can sing. He has that raspiness and then he can belt at the top of the bars and just, I'm like, okay, so I can't do that. So where? And we got to break the segment because the, the thing about it is, and studying the show helps, like looking at all the different casts that I've seen, like the London cast. Like the London version. And then like the live concert version, stuff like that. And it's like we are, we have to remember that we are diverse within ourselves. And just because maybe the world or the way that we were introduced to the world was typecast in a certain kind of way, right. at the end of the day, we are still playing different kinds of people and different kinds of singers, and they require that. And it's like when you cast a black show, the only requirement is that they're black. They're black. And that they can sing the music and that they can deliver the message and portray the character. And it's it's hard to break out of that, especially when you something know, gets iconic. You know, people are coming here yeah. for the music. They're coming. And they saw that movie and that movie was perfectly cast. Eh. And so, you know what I mean? So they're, and it's hard to accept that what you're doing is good because you feel like you're so different. But like, right. that's the magic of theater. You don't get to see you know, the last four productions of Oklahoma have all been cast completely different. They're all still white people. <laughs> you know what I mean? But they're not all the same. They're what not I was going to say about um, breaking the stigma and theater being black, it's also how I felt about just being a black singer, period. Because, um, like, for me, I always felt... And I wasn't upset about it, but I'm like, in our group of friends, I'd be asked to sing a solo maybe sixth because of the audience. And I, I honestly think that. I'm like, because we got, like... Of Bakayla, Destiny, Trey, Ariel, Majorelle, all of them have these very great voices, and then they got the soul, and they got those runs, and they got those riffs that they do. That our audience, like black people, usually that's what sets them mm-hmm. on fire. That's what gets them out of their they seats. Will hear you sang. Right, and I feel like, um, like I can't do that. And then I used to get caught up trying to do that so much. I'm like, but that's, I'm like, I can't do these things. I don't want to try really hard let me take lessons to do these that's just not who I am as a singer but like it would make me insecure just being a black singer because I couldn't do those things and I would find myself downplaying myself all the time like even after it's like I'm doing concerts starring in shows working professionally you know singing behind Sam Smith and stuff like that and I will still look you in the face and tell you that of the four siblings, I'm not the singer. I will look you in the face and tell you that. I will tell you that my my sister and my brother are the singers. They sang. You have made a comment to me about how you felt like you were sounding. And when you were talking about like your sinuses and everything. So I was expecting you to be like hoarse or something. And then when we were singing um, like Step Into the Bad Side and when you got to the moral break, I said, oh, okay. (laughs) He better sing. That was about smooth as ice. So I was like, okay. So, again, you are also our own toughest critics. And after a while, after um, The Wiz, have you seen it? <laughs> I felt like, I was like, okay, so I felt like I set this new bar for myself that I said I can't ever drop below. Right. You were excellent. And that's, that's what I want to say earlier because you mentioned it before. And that's what happens with you, like Scarecrow 
and donkey because when you do everybody has those roles that it feels like they're tailor-made for you so and then you can really see the potential of what you have to offer and then it's hard because when you do anything after that now you're comparing yourself to that even though they're completely different and you want that security right of feeling that like oh i'm gonna sound good when i do this no matter what it was kind of like when you when you came to see white christmas white christmas was the first time that i was ever in a show that was lean to a style that I was actually really good at. Every other show that we've it done, was perfect. I've never, it was perfect I honestly you. have been out of my element every single show that we've done until we did White Christmas because like that jazzy, golden age like style was what I was good at. And then and the I style of dance that was in it. Yeah, and then I got, I also, you know, the way that it worked out, I played Phil. So then I ended up being able to dance as well. And y'all know I don't ever get to dance in shows. Right. <laughs> they were like, just come out and sing this song and go back out. <laughs> you're, almost, you're always my example when people be like, I don't like being in an ensemble. I'm like, well, you know, every time when you're elite, you don't get to dance. And it's always because you used to be like, I don't ever get to dance. I'm like, you don't. Can't I, try in, like, Warner. I'm always cast as that person that shows up, sings a song, disappears. Like, you know... <laughs> Uh, if I'm not in the ensemble, if I'm in the ensemble, then I get to be in ensemble stuff. But like it's 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 hard, like feeling that feeling that you've always wanted to feel, you know, because when you get in a role that fits you, you finally have that feeling that you've always wanted when you started performing. Like, oh, I feel like a star. And I feel like for I me, can do this. And for you, sometimes I'm sure. But for me, like I I was donkey. I don't got to work hard for people to love donkey. They already love donkey. I don't even have to be great. They already go, Jimmy, everybody already loves James Major Burns. They already love Jimmy Thunder Early. They're expecting me to smash it out. And whatever I go out there and produce, they're going to like, and they may love. But I, I want, I'm looking for more than just that. You know, mm -hmm. I want there to be growth. I want it to be growth in my singing ability, my acting ability. I want them to feel Jimmy. I want them to feel bad for Jimmy. I want them to be happy for Jimmy. I don't want them to just be like, James did a good job. I want them to see Jimmy on stage. I don't want them to just be like, oh, it was a great show. Uh, I knew y'all were going to do um, well. I knew y'all were going to sound good. Like, I know all of those things. I knew we were, I know we're going to sound great, but how can we grow? How can we take it to the, how can we elevate it mm -hmm. to that next level to make sure the story is coming across and people are here for the story and not just the music? Right. Right. And those are a lot of things to try to figure out. It is. And it is. I'm glad we get to do it. This is literally, it's so funny that we get to do this because we, when we started doing theater, all we would do was sing Dream Girls the <laughs> whole time before the show. And by the time we get on stage, I'm like, well, my voice hurt now. I've been down there belting because, you know, I was Dina. And then <laughs> around the time we did Cats, we were plotting to do Dream Girls. And then we all went our separate ways. Mm-hmm. And now we're back, back, well, back after again. Cats, you know, I was trying to. I ended up doing White Christmas at the last second because you know that's that's kind of my trademark show up at the last second when people need me to do a show and do a right. show. But you know, I had I had given up on like my career and like performing and stuff. Honestly, like I was still active and I started moving into a mode where I was teaching a lot and directing a lot and doing all of those things because I knew that I could. But like with my injury, and then it was kind of like doing a reset on my life because it was just a very hard section of life. And Did you I, go on any auditions in 2016? Mm -mm. I didn't do a thing in 2015 or 2016 um, until I got my break. And I just... It wasn't just the injury. Like, the injury added to it. And it's like, I, I grew up as a dancer. And I just have always... I've never been, like... 
okay with my body. That's just how I was. That was a chunky kid. And then even in high school, like when I look back at pictures of myself in like high school and like early college, and it's like I see myself and I'm like looking at how, you know, beautiful I was. I'm like, oh, my God, I was attractive. Like, oh, my God, I was so skinny. <laughs> but it's like that at that time of that person, I felt like I was 300 pounds and I was like all of these other things. And I've never, even when I was at AMDA, because like nobody... A lot of people do not know when I was at Amda, like I was what we joked around and called amdorexic. Like I didn't eat. You know what I mean? I didn't eat. And like a lot of times that was just because I was broke because Amda was expensive. But Oop. like, <laughs> you know, I would skip a couple meals here or there. I was in class from 8 a.m. until like 10.30 at night after like the dance company rehearsals. And I was bone skinny. Like I remember when I came home, my mom was like, you know, she was excited because like I was going to lose weight. But at one point in time, she asked me, she was like, are you eating? And I was like, Yeah. But, like, I was bone skinny. Like, if you look at me right now, I'm 276 pounds. And I'm, I'm like, that's, you know, I've, that's big for me because I gained some weight. But I was 208 pounds when I got home from college. Wow. The first year. And I still was looking at myself like I was the fat person in the room. Like, I never went to a dance audition. I've never been to a dance audition in my life where I didn't feel like the biggest person in the room. Always have. You're also 6'5". Yes, that too. But it's like, and it was, it's always been hard for me to look at myself that way because like, I just, I just always felt like the fat one. I will, <laughs> I just know like all of my friends when we were little, like they just naturally were skinny. Like we were in the fifth grade, niggas had six packs <laughs> and I did not. And it just, it, it messed with me all the time. And I was like, you know, I grew up with dancers. I was the youngest dancer in the dance company. Everybody else was you know, all the girls were obviously skinny and then all the guys were break dancers. I was the only dancer, like trained mm -hmm. dancer. And so, you know, they all had muscles because they were spinning on their faces all day and jumping off of, you know, doing backflips off the stage and everything. And so I just didn't, I felt like because I didn't look like that, that I just was out of shape and I was fat and I was ugly. And it, it stuck with me oh, for so long. So when I got injured and I couldn't move for like four or five months and I gained like 30 pounds, oh, I was like, I'm done. No one's hiring me. No one's ever hiring me. I'm not going to have a career. So is that where performance now and the idea for that stuff came from? That stuff came from, that was stuff that I always wanted to do, but it was very, it was very hard, and I'm glad that it happened, and I'm glad that the pressure was put on me um, by Jimmy at the Playhouse and my mom and a lot of other people. They, in general, had already wanted me to do some workshops and like, you know, try and teach and like put together some cabarets. They already wanted that. And because I was not doing shows and I was like, you know, hobbling around on a crutch. And then like when I could finally started walking, I started working at Duncan and I wasn't doing anything. And so they were, you know, bugging me like, Hey, like, Hey, we want you to try and do X, Y, and Z. And like, I first I said yes out of obligation, even though I did always want to do those kind of things. But, like, I said it out of obligation just because of who it was that was asking me. And I was like, I'm not doing nothing else. Because, <laughs> honestly, like, so many things were not going my way. I just kind of gave up and just did my own thing for the first time ever. And I think everybody needs to do that. Everybody needs to just say, especially if you are a believer in some kind of way. Like, obviously, I, anybody who knows me knows that I love God. I believe in God. I believe in you <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I got to a point where, like, even things at church, I was trying to make some things happen because people were depending on me. And I think that God had, like, moved on from that. He was trying to get me to let that go and pursue some other things and pursue some things in my career that I was afraid to do. So when I did finally let the stuff at the church go that just was not working, I blamed myself. And 
I had like, like I said, I was still on crutches at the time. I gained all this weight. And like, I went into this mode where I was like, F it, I'm doing whatever I want to do for me, how I want to do it. I just don't care. And so like, you know, I entered in a relationship that I had no business being in. I was working at a job. I had no business working. And like, I was just doing a bunch of things to prove that I could take care of myself and I could do it. And like, I wasn't asking anybody for help. I was homeless. I didn't have nowhere to live. Like, you know what I mean? I was homeless and on crutches and like 40 pounds overweight. And it was, it was not a good time, but like, I just kept going and I, I said, don't let me find out here. You asking somebody for these cheeseburgers. (laughs) (laughs) I I got these cheeseburgers. I was all the way jacked up and I had built this life with my bare hands. And it was like, as a person of faith that I always was, I was not a person of faith at that time. And that's why it was so hard for me. And then I... We talked about that. We We talked about you not feeling like you were living in your faith, going to church because of everything else that was happening. You hadn't been going to church. Yeah. So I remember having those conversations. I was just so frustrated. And I felt like I couldn't go to my church because... Just at the time, there was so much stuff going on. And, like, I, I'm the type of person where if I'm invested in a product, I want the product to be a certain kind of way. And I was working with some people, and there was some drama, and there was a lot of stuff going on. And what I started doing was being a martyr. I started letting the things that went wrong, I started taking the blame for, or I would let people blame me for them so that the kids that I was working with and the people that I were over didn't blame the church. Or didn't blame, you know what I mean? Like, because I, like, in my mind... I or the like, theater. Yeah. I was like, I would much rather them still be able to come and get what they need and they still have faith in what they're doing than them to see all this drama and then blame that drama on the church. Because at the end of the day, if you're any kind of leader, I don't care who you are, if you're any kind of leader, you represent what you're leading. And a lot of people don't get that. And I took a lot of just... I took a lot of blows because... I was the leader and I wanted to represent it well and I didn't want people to lose faith in what they were doing. And there was just a lot that was going on that I was trying to shield and help with. Like we, you know what I mean? Like we had, our pastor had died and then we got a new pastor and then a lot of people had left the church. A lot of people were going through some other things. A lot of our church members and friends that we knew were very, very sick. More people had passed away and there, there was just a lot going on. There was a lot on our pastor's shoulders in general. And a lot of, you know, the pastor and like a lot of people in our church were leaning on me. And so the last thing I wanted to do was if they're leaning on me and the kids, I didn't want the kids or like the people that I was leading to be disheartened. So like if I was dealing with certain stuff with the people that I work with in private, I, it just happened in private. And if people tried to say that like, oh, this is because Josh did it or because Josh blah, 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 blah. I just went ahead and took the bullet and just kept going. So how does it feel to be, because I had a friend call me the other day and it was just like, James, I can't always be the rock for everybody. I, I, you know, I cry too. I get, you know, soft sometimes. Sometimes I need people to tell me something. I was like, well, you know, you could always call me. And then my friend responded, that's why I'm calling you. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, well, I'm glad that's how we, we, got we understood this. But I just want you to know because I call you too. And you as well happen to be that level-headed person for people sometimes. And then there's times where I'm sure people like, I'm like, okay, I can figure this out on my own. I don't need to call Josh. 
By this time, I know what Josh is going to say. But I call you, even like for the audition, I was like, let me call Josh because, you know, I'm asking. I don't, if I don't know something, I'm going to ask. But how does it feel like being that person for like so many people? Because it's more than, it's your whole life. It's theater. It's your job. When you get a new job somewhere, you, you're going to be that person. That's the type, but that's the type of person you are. I've just always been. It's in most, your spirit. Most of my teachers. <laughs> like growing up, unless they knew my family, they thought I was an only child because of the way that I just, I just am. People, run, people look at me like the parent. I'm always the parent. I'm always the person that they ask to, like, you know, for advice or like if something happens, they're like, what do you think? I've just always been that way. And I think it's because my siblings, one, they're so much older than me, but, you know, you gain wisdom from watching them live life. I gained so much wisdom from watching them live their lives and watching my parents live their lives because my parents and my siblings are those people as well. You know, everybody, you know, goes to my mom for advice. So many people in the city went to my dad for advice. Like my dad was a person that everybody called. That's just who my dad was. I, I'm most like my father. Like people, like I'm very close to my mom and people think that I'm you know, like they're like you and your mom are the same person. We are very, very similar. But I am much, <laughs> much, much closer to how my father is, mm. and my siblings are the same way. And it's it's a normal way of life for us, for people to ask, you know, for people to just come to us and ask or expect certain things of us. And we were ra- kind of raised that way. We were raised to be leaders because you know, if you have the knowledge, you can't. You have to be responsible for the knowledge. You can't just know something and not share it or know how to do right and not do right. And we were just raised to be that way. Were you always that type of person or did you go out of your way to gain more traits and try to be more like your dad when he passed away? Um, I think that's a good question. I think I did. I think I, there's always going to be a, th- a thing where it's like, I want to make my dad proud. But it was, I think it was, I always knew people loved my dad, but it was not until his funeral that I really understood how many people he impacted. Because I remember the wakes were like, they were turning people away at the wakes. Like the line went out the door and around the church for people to get into the wake. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And to this day, if I go somewhere, it's like people will always know my parents and somebody will always say like, oh yeah, I know your dad. Your dad really helped me with X, Y, and Z. Or like, and it, it would be the most random stuff. Because like, you know, my dad, if if you got, if anybody knows, you know, Ariel and my Uncle Jeff, like my Uncle Jeff and my dad were very similar. They lived similar lives. You know, they had a lot of different kinds of jobs. They interacted with a lot of different kinds of people and they were known musicians. And it's like, somebody will come up to me. I'm never surprised because it's either like, oh, your dad taught me how to play drums or, oh, your dad prayed for me and my family or, oh, like your dad used to take me to work every day when I lost my car. And like, it's just, it was just so weird because it's not, there's not like one pigeonhole area of thing. It's It's like your dad never, it's like your dad still lives on. Like, I remember when I realized that, um, if my dad died, like, he really wouldn't be dead because, like, he has four children. Like, his DNA is literally, like, there's moments where I feel like I am like I am my dad. Like, there's moments where I just be like, oh, my gosh, that was, like, really weird. But, like, I am, like, you're physically him. Like, you are physically him, too. Mm-hmm. So, like, he literally, like, he lives in you. <laughs> <laughs> he, he literally does. And then to be able to have the world him in the world still like affect your life for people to come and tell you like share stories like that I say I I just like talking to my dad there's still so much like I don't know about my dad conversations we've never just had 
just just because like it just you know may never have come up or getting to learn your dad through other people still is like a a beautiful thing. Yeah, it's wonderful. I mean, he just or I should say I was just thinking about what life would be like, you know, last week cuz his would have been his 70, 70th birthday last week. And now, I, we don't know if he would want to discuss that or not. <laughs> <laughs> okay? That's just throwing his age out inside there. Joke. Inside joke. <laughs> inside joke about my mom, but you oh, know. we'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll, we'll let y'all uh, know. <laughs> um but yeah, like and I think about it all the time because of how strong his personality was and how much we just depended on him because my dad, my siblings and I, like the dynamic in our house was really weird because we depended on my dad for so many things, but we were most dependent on my dad to laugh. Like that's just what it was. Like I'm like I didn't realize until I was a full-blown adult how much I was like my dad because I always felt like I was slighted because I was 12 when my dad died. So I felt like there was so much that didn't happen with me, whereas opposed to my brother was 22. And, you know, it was 22, 20, and 17, and I was 12 wow. years old. So they had, they had much more time. more time. And I did, it's like as time goes on and, like, things happen, and, like, we laugh and joke, and my family members will tell me all the time, it's like I I really have so much likeness to my father. And... When it comes to my friend groups and stuff like that, I am my dad in my group of friends. Like, the way that I am with you guys, like, that's just how my dad was. My dad, you know, people went to my dad for answers. My dad did not take nobody's crap. It wasn't about to happen. And he was not about to lie to you, first of all. And it's just like, if it needed to be done, it was going to get done. And we're going to do it this way. And I'm not about to have a discussion about it. Like, and it's just my dad, like, that was my dad. My mom and I do the same thing. So, like, that's where the likeness is between my mom and I, because I'm the only one. We're all musicians and stuff, but I was the one who acclimated to dance and then, like, theater. And, you know, I studied classical music. It's like my mom and I have the same career goals, but it's my personality is a lot more like my dad. And it's just, it's just weird to think that, because I didn't realize that I soaked so much of him up as I did. Even when I'm, like, talking to my uncle and stuff, like, my... My uncle and my aunt are like, you are your father's child because I, I just am and I can't help it. Like, I just, just who I am. And are I you, do wish he was here because I know that we would be very close friends because I'm, I'm really good friends with my mom now that I'm older. Isn't it fun, like, growing up and being able to, like, be friends, you know, with mm-hmm. your mom? It's like, you know, you get on my nerves, but girl, you know, we just are like, <laughs> like, are you talking all that trash? But guess where I get it from? Uh, you. Yeah. And it's, it's. A lot of that comes from, like with me, there's such a huge age gap between, like I said, me and my sisters and then me and my parents. Because, you know, my parents were striking on 40 when I was born, you know. <laughs> so I always had this, like, weird mental thing, you know, when it came into college and adulthood about not stressing out my parents. Because even though everybody thought my parents, you know, they still think my parents are very, very young. I'm not doing no age things. But, it's, you know, it's like my mother is not as young as she looks. And she would say that all the time. My mom is not trying to have you out here thinking that she's 40. She's like, I'm grown. And <laughs> y'all going to respect me at the age yes. I am. But, you know, she's she may look like she's 45 and 50. But, like, that's not, you know, that's closer. I was five years old around that time <laughs> when she was 45 and 50. So when I got to college and, you know, my mom was a single parent and she had to do all these things. And, you know, the first grandchild was born and all of the things that she had to manage, I 
adopted this mindset where kind of just like wherever I could take care of myself, that's what I always did. And I've just been like that. And it hurt our relationship for a while because I was so separate from her. Because not trying to separate myself from her, but I was trying to separate myself as a burden from her, even right. though I didn't have to. And that kind of took a little toll on our relationship. But then as I got older and I was able to take care of myself and she was able to not worry as much about me, it put us at a common place where I could just talk to her and like be around her and be like, oh, mom, I'm going to be performing at X, Y, and Z, or I'm going to do this show. And she'd be like, oh, I love that show. And like it we were able to literally just have a friendship. And then like when I need to ask her about things, as I always do, I do ask her life. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like she's still my mom, but like. Your mom is iconic. <laughs> I know. She's the diva. She's One of the, the funniest things we have to tell the story, me and Josh were supposed to be in Cleveland <laughs> at 5 p.m. for headshots. <laughs> I bet you she go act like she don't remember it like this. <laughs> I bet you she don't remember it like this. We were supposed to be in Cleveland by 5 p.m. for headshots and Miss Karen Clark Green and Al Cook rolled in about four o'clock. What is it? Four thirty. And almost four thirty. And just come sashaying in the house. We had to be in Cleveland. You know, this is before I was grown, grown. And right, it's about two thousand fourteen, circa two thousand fourteen. Living at home, and it was right before I moved out. Was, I was still living at home. And for whatever reason at the time, I didn't have a car. So I was sharing a car with my mom. Because usually I had a car. You know, by the time college and stuff rolled around, I usually had a car. And, but I think maybe this was after like, oh yeah, I got in a car crash. Mm-hmm. At Christmas time, my tire was on the, flu- on the freeway and I didn't have a car. So the springtime rolled around. We were involved in this program where we were taking these classes and we were going to this audition thing for all these agents. And you had to like get headshots with this company. And so the person had scheduled me and James' headshots. You know, we had to be in Cleveland, <laughs> on the opposite side of Cleveland, at right. 5 p.m. So I tell my mother this. She's like, okay, well, I got some stuff to do first, and then you can borrow a car. Fine. So, you know, I was like, Mom, I'm trying to leave at 3.30 <laughs> so that we can get there, be ready, and I have to rush. I was already in a bad mood because I had to cut my own hair, and anybody who knows me, Knows how much I hate to cut my own hair. If I cut my own hair, I'm going to be pissed about it until I get a real haircut. Mind you, these are still the same headshots I use to this day, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> that you hate it so much, <laughs> which I, I think is so funny. I still hate. Um, <laughs> but, you know, four o'clock rolls around. I'm like, Mom, where are you? We need to go. And she's like, I'm on my way. I just had to stop at X, Y, and Z. So it's 425. Karen Clark Green pulls up in the driveway. She walks inside, smiling. Hi, James. Hi. Taking her good Taking time. time. I'm like, waiting for her to hand me the keys. She goes and hand me the keys. She looked me dead in my face and said, you know it's 425. Y'all, I was All right, Mom, the- we got to go. <laughs> I was in the other room. Cracking I, I couldn't believe she said it and, But the thing is she, Like I think I don't know if you were in the bathroom When she came in But like she had walked into the room Living room Set down her bags And she came and she's like To you you're not, It's 425 Shouldn't you be leaving? Uh Ma'am And I just I was like Come on James Let's go It's time to go I want you to know That we pulled up At 459 In Cleveland <laughs> We got there one time, Listen, and I Lord cannot believe me. it. Because anybody who knows me, 
the greens are late. The greens are notorious for being late. They are so late to every single thing. I, we all have those things in our family, whichever thing bothers you the most, you try to be the person that's the opposite of that. That's who I am. I've always been the on-time one. I'm like, let me get somewhere on time. I will be there early. I will not be late. I'm the type of person that if I'm not at church when church starts, I probably won't come because I hate walking <laughs> in late. I don't like to be late. And so <laughs> that drove me so insane because I was like, I'm trying to be on time. <laughs> and I think you drove so fast because you were talking and you were just like, I can't believe this. Like, I can never leave you I was house. so angry. And I have a thing about the way that I drive, too. One, because I've been in multiple accidents. So y'all know, anybody who knows me knows I have difficulty being a passenger because I have anxiety. And, but two, like, I've unfortunately been targeted a lot, you know, just being black in this area. And I got so many, you know, tickets and being pulled over and stuff for no reason all the time. Like it just kept happening to me. Like there was one weekend in Austin town where I got like three tickets in two days for like, and I had to like try and dispute them and like pay court costs and all these other kind of things. Like, so I, the fact that I even drove that fast to get there was something because I don't like to be out here speeding for no reason. Like I'll speed a little bit or I'm a flow with traffic because everybody on Cleveland Turnpike like to speed. But you know, I was busting like 95 <laughs> at least. We was gone. I was scared, but I wasn't <laughs> gonna say nothing because we needed to get there. The 2004 tour of the Matrix was floating. And <laughs> like, we was got many floating. places in that. <laughs> Okay, and that's all you The Matrix, the Matrix got the job done. Okay, I know that's all we did. And Scotty, <laughs> <laughs> the Matrix and Scotty. And Scotty, when I got Scotty, Scotty, know he used to roll. Our cars used to get the job done. They okay? need to be nothing fancy. <laughs> but um, those were the years, and now we're grown. So, how is it looking back on your young self to your now self? Oh my goodness! Thinking about all that stuff you did to get to where you are, and and how much further you have to where you really want to be? Um, I love to look back because, you know, everybody's always like, oh, what advice would you give your young self? And I'm always giving my young self the same advice, but it, it, it's like, at what point does the young self go away? Because it's the same advice that I was giving my young self at like 18, 20, 23. 25, 26, 27. So, like, so what most, is that? <laughs> it's just I need, I really want to have more confidence in what I'm doing and the direction that I'm going. Because at the end of the day, I do know that I'm passionate about what I do. I'm well trained on what I do. I'm well versed on what I do. While a lot of my friends that were my age were out auditioning and working and stuff, I was so afraid of not, not, having the talent but not having any of the knowledge or the experience like feeling so slighted because I didn't grow up doing theater and all those other things that you know I didn't just go to school I went to two schools you know what I mean so I was older than all the other freshmen and sophomore and juniors at YSU because I had already went to school but my issue was like I was like I need to know what I'm doing I need to have the knowledge and to this day sometimes I still don't trust the fact that I have the knowledge even though I'm heavily in debt to get the knowledge. And I always look back at myself and I'm like, I wish I could just tell him to like chill out and do what you do what you know you're supposed to do. Cause there were so many times I didn't do what I knew I was supposed to do because I was afraid. I didn't think that I had, I didn't know what I was doing. You know, all my friends were going to auditions in New York and I was making up excuses to not go because I kept disqualifying myself. And I do I still 
struggle with that, even when I know what I'm doing, even when I'm telling somebody else what to do or showing someone else how to go in and get a job and prepare themselves and brand themselves, even though I know what to do, I'm looking at myself like, oh, this isn't good enough, like, or this isn't right. It's, it's, and I, it's still something that I have to constantly remind myself to step away from. I love having these conversations on my podcast, like, <laughs> <laughs> on my podcast. Yes, hey, it's mine. And um, because I've already listened back to some and learned so much about myself, especially over the summer doing Shrek and um, working 10 to 11 at night and doing seven shows in four days, but still in between time, instead of like taking a nap or getting any type of rest, I'm like, all right, I got to do this podcast. I got to do two podcasts because it's what I wanted to do. I was working really hard. I was trying to edit the episodes, I was getting them out, and I ended up doing all of that. And I said I wanted to do it, and I and I got it all done. And even for me, I was just like, I felt accomplished at the end. And usually I don't feel accomplished after certain things. I just feel like I could always be working harder. And But what I learned from listening back is <clears throat> how many ex- excuses I have still. I always say still sometimes. I'm like, well, you know, I didn't go to school, but that's never. it was never an excuse for me not to be able to be... 80% better at reading music or sight reading now instead of just uh, for all these years, you know, making it an excuse. And I did that for so long. And what I've just done now is be confident in what I know my abilities are. Because before I went to do Shrek, I knew I could work professionally and not being like cocky or anything. But I'm like, I know I've worked really hard. I know I will work really hard. And I know I can work in a professional setting. So getting the job was a validation or just like the accomplishment that I've always wanted. And like a dream come true to be Donkey, who's a character that I think fits my skill set really well. So but I I really learned so much about um, myself listening back or watching videos or listening to audios of myself. And I have been lucky enough to have Joshua William Green, who I've talked about for so much just because um of how serious you took it and to and we were close friends outside of theater so to just be able to have somebody else who like is knowledgeable because I used to think we were so similar as like people and performers and then I was like we're really not that similar and even the way we do things so it was nice to have you like you said you like the golden age type of um style and I was going to say earlier too I kind of felt like um I wasn't going anywhere in professional theater because I was like, oh, I still really can't read music. I still am not a trained dancer. I'm 26. I'm balding. Um, nothing's looking up. So I'm just going to see what I can do here. what you say? I said, you know, they can always wig you. You know, I love a wig. And <laughs> I was like, I'm just going to do my thing here. I started feeling, I started like working harder to improve on like, my skills here. I was like, maybe I can make a living doing that here or in another small city. But what it did was open up my mind to more than New York city. It opened up my mind to realize that I can make a living off of this, like anywhere. It doesn't have to be Broadway. I can create my own stuff. And so we started doing, you know, five five and we also, um, you know, I kind of had like a, a blueprint being able to work with you or like see how you um, you did things. And I think our shows are like very different shows because that's my point of view. It's just um, 
again, because I call you, and I was like, uh, so I was kind of thinking about, like, these things. Like, for me, it's been good to have um, you in my life for that, and I've realized, like, how I've become, like, that person um, for people. I was like, I'm going to do Joshua William Green. <laughs> Move aside, people, with no connection on the side, though, because, you know, people, everybody thought I was in the connection. I was in the junior connection for a couple months, maybe, and I wish I would have, but in my household, we had to play sports. But so for you, how does it feel to see people that you have taught and helped or advised grow? And you can start with me. <laughs> Flips hair. Because well, um, you saw me start. You I saw did. me start from I birth. I did. And it was, I, I'm, you're, you are so, our friends in general are so impressive. Um, I brag on you guys all the time just because I, I'm so impressed with our circle of friends because there is a hunger that's obvious and is evident. You know, it's not just like, oh, we're interested in this or this is like our hobby. And even though it may seem like a lot of people came from backgrounds where they could not pursue this kind of thing or they couldn't make room in their lives for it, they did it anyways because they had the passion for it because they wanted to do it. And... You guys are extremely impressive, especially, you know, with you. It's like, I, you know, I tell you all the time, it's like every time you do a show, it's like you leave that show with a different trait. And a lot of people are like that, and it's impressive, but I don't think it's to the degree that you were able to do it. Because, you know, four, maybe five shows in, you were playing leads, and you were already, like, headmastered, like, so many different styles. And it's like, yeah, we did Hairspray together, and... You know, that was your first show. You got to do it. And, you know, you're like, you're involved. Like, you're not, it's one of, you, you do hairspray in community theater. Basically, everybody just there to have fun. Because right, right, it's right. hairspray. And, you know, we just hate to dance. Because, like, right, you know, in our show, that's our part of the show. <laughs> we, and, you know, like, I was adamant about just, like, being involved because I was too heavily involved at YSU. So, you know, you and me, we were just, we were the ensemble. We were right. black people. And then, I'm trying to think, then, then we did Legally Blind together. And, you know, they threw you in some couple, like, challenging, like, character roles. And then, like, you, you did it. You know, I was like, okay. And then you were a completely different person from the end of Legally Blonde to the person that had just ended in Hairspray. So, okay. And then every single show, it's like you gain more. You gain more. And like, we did The Wiz, and it was like, it's one of those roles where it's like, it was already perfect for you, and you got to apply all of these things that you learn, and I watch you apply them. It's not just like you learn them, and it's like, okay, a lot of people go, okay, I don't know what to do with this, even though they've been taught what to do. Like, <laughs> you applied it. <laughs> but you, you applied it, and it was just so impressive, and your character work in that was extremely impressive. And then to move on to, you know, I came back. After being gone for a was while. Was that rag time you were gone with before we did Not a course yet, line? No. Before we did a course line, after we left the arts, we auditioned at the arts. Oh, yeah. I had my first agent. And so then I was auditioning all the time. Sister and act. Then, <laughs> yeah, I was going back and forth for sister act over and over and over again. Then my sister got married. So then I was in Atlanta and I came home, you know. At Tech Week and got cast in. All right, you were going to be like a, a cut dancer, and then and that's like, all I wanted. I said I want to be a cut dancer because I don't ever get to dance in shows. And you I'm just doing wanted to do opening. that opening. I act. just wanted to do that opening number, and <laughs> I showed up on Friday to top the opening number, and then I um, got 
over the weekend. It was, hey, uh, can you be Bobby and can you know it on Monday for tech? Thanks. <laughs> but watching you in that show, I was like, okay, James is not a dancer. I know James is not a dancer. But it's like you left a chorus line being able to do that choreography. No, it was not like perfect, but it's like you learned that choreography and you were one of the men in the show that had to be cast at the end and get the job. And you looked like you would have been hired. And I was like, he really came out here and learned the show. Like he, like I he, was so dedicated to... I said, like, come on in here in these tan jazz shoes. Like, <laughs> he went and bought some jazz shoes. I said, like, come on, James. <laughs> you know, like, I was just, I was so impressed. It's like, you did hard work with your character and, like, your presentation. And, like, because A Chorus Line is one of those shows. It's no joke. You know what I mean? We're always on stage. You are always... Your, your character is so important because you always have to be portraying it, but you're, you're standing there 60% of the show not saying anything. But we need to understand who you are and how you feel about everything that's going on with everybody else, even though you're not saying nothing. And it's a hard show on top of the fact that you just danced your face off and then you have to stand in that line and pretend like you were dancing. Ooh, especially after that montage. <laughs> that montage was, 20 minutes. Just, it was ridiculous. <laughs> and I'm still mad that I had to wear a sweater, but that's a whole nother A whole, <laughs> a striped a whole sweater. sweater. <laughs> Why is Bobby wearing a sweater? But, At this audition. But um, In the summer in New York City. Every show, you know, you just, you acclimate it to whatever you had to be. And you were like, whatever skill you didn't have when you started, you were like, I'm going to work on this. I'm going to have this skill and I'm going to present it. And you were always able to stand out, not just because you are a crazy personality, but because you were able to meet the requirements that were going on. And then by the time we got to Cats, where I was just like, you know, I was just way too hype, even with my busted ankle. I was like, (laughs) I'm doing this show because I wanted to do this show forever. I don't ever get to dance. I've always wanted to play this role. And I was like, I'm going to do the show. So like my mind was in like, I didn't, and honestly, I was like, this is probably going to be really bad because I don't know nobody who can sing, dance, and act. And it wasn't trying to be cocky other than, like, me and two other people. And I was like, we need a full cast of people who can sing and, like, handle, like, for real choreography. Like, you got to be trained. And the show was phenomenal. And it was phenomenal because you and a lot of people who were like you were just like, oh, we're not, we're not just going to... You know, we worked, especially the boys. It became like a boys work. versus girls thing. Because the girl, we, all the trained dancers were girls. Yeah, there were like, like two of them, four or five of them. And then when it came to the guys, it was just me and Darian, and, and Mark, Marquise, and Marquise, and Marquise were the only ones who had any like standard classical dance whatsoever. And we worked. We worked. Y'all were ready to work. Y'all were, we were in that parking lot for At hours. At night with our car lights. With the car light shining and the music playing, rehearsing the Jellicle Ball because it needed to be good. But it's that passion that I have with my friends that I love because you guys rise to the occasion every time and it doesn't matter whether or not you've had the training. It's like, okay, I don't have the training. Train me. Let's do it. Yes. And you do it every time. And I will never forget, I was just saying to Therese, like that moment after those shows when people would ask us, like, so how long are you guys on tour? Like people actually thought that Cats at the Youngstown Playhouse was a national tour of Cats. I will say one of my best <laughs> moments, one of my favorite moments in um, Cats, because I didn't know at the time, like it was going to be our last show mm-hmm. for a while. But like when we got to sing Old Deuteronomy together, I yes. felt like the, I was like, I, I graduated. I felt like I was graduating. And like we were, you were You're like handed me my diploma. I was like, yeah, <laughs> this is my moment. And I had to sing low. And I just felt, I was just happy to, because I didn't see growth in myself 
you know, I I couldn't see myself how you see me, how like Jacinda have seen me grow. So I'm like, I'm working hard. I don't know if it's it's like showing, but I was really working hard. But I'll say thank you so much for saying that because I really do appreciate it. But like for me, and this is how I feel about my friends. Like for me, when when you made it, it was like a a golden star and another blueprint of what what I could do. I always felt like we can do everything through like for each other and through each other. Exactly. Like we strengthen each other so when you made it I was just like wow I was like almost as excited for me like like if it was me and then I was just like wow like we can all do this and I felt like you were like showing us away without all that pressure being on you just the fact that you were able to do it gave me the confidence and motivation to f- just feel and believe that I can do it before I even do it so that's again what I want that's what really like what I want out of my life and it was that's one of the things that helped me at the concert yesterday that got me to that, what I wanted here, like coming home and like refocusing and just like chilling out and understanding some direction. And it was just remembering what I wanted. Cause like, I didn't start working until I got that stigma out of my mind where like I had to do a certain thing to be successful. I had to be a certain way, or if you're not on Broadway, you're not, you know, I got rid of all those things and tried to remember that like, you don't get to work in this business period, unless it's what you want to do, regardless of like, it's not about getting on Broadway or doing any of these other things. It's you will not be capable of being in this business if it's not just something that you want to do. And I want this to, you know, be my passion and propel me. And I want people to know me as a person because of what I do and not the other way around. And Dr. Gage had said something when he introduced me. And I promise you, if he had not said this, the night probably would have gone completely different because I stay inside my head and I'm very like crazy. And he was you know, saying like a lot of nice things about me and he was glad that I was back. But he he was like, you know, what you won't read in his bio is just that the the type of person that he is. He was like, I really appreciate the type of person that he is off stage and, you know, he went on a vein that went that way. And it it calmed me and it really was touching to me because that that's what I've always wanted. You know what I mean? I didn't want the focus to be on like whether or not you made it to Broadway or whether or not you did this. I was like, if I'm famous, that's fantastic. But like, I would much rather, you know, if I'm going to be famous, that people are affected by who I am and your character, what I have to say. Yeah. And what I'm actually doing rather than the characters I'm portraying, how I'm singing, how I'm dancing or any of those things. And like, that was the moment that I needed for a refocusing because at the end of the day, it's, you know what I mean? It's not about, any of that. It was you know, crazy when, when you, you say die, die. things like that about yourself. People think it's like, oh, well, he just think he's just so great. Well, everyone else is allowed to think you're amazing, but if you <laughs> if you think you're amazing, right. it's you like, well, he just body. loved himself so much. Was well, like, well, yeah. If you wrote if you write the same post about yourself like somebody else will write about you, they gonna feel like it's kind of taken to your head. But you can be very critical of yourself, and people don't stop you with the same energy they would as if you were loving yourself. And I'm like, we got to cut that out. And what I will say is for you to be able to get us, be the connection for us to have um, the national tour for Rocktopia. And when we were on stage and they said the performance now, um, choir, I was so proud. I wish you were there. I I wish you were there. I wish I had a camera. Like I (laughs) I was more proud of you than me being there because like, I felt like that was like one of your biggest accomplishments. I'm like for everything like you were able to do for yourself, look what you can do for other people. Look what you did for us. And I, that made me so happy because I know that, that's what you want to do. I know that's a part of your um, teaching of your ministry. 
if you will. Um, and so I was, I was really proud to be there for that moment and be a part of that moment. So thank you, Joshua that, William Green. That, that really meant a lot to me that I was able to do that. But it just, it was even more, like, I was happy that I was like, there are people that I can give this opportunity to. And it's not just like that I can give you the opportunity because so many times you see people get an opportunity and they blow it. But like, I could trust that you guys were going to rise to the occasion. They loved y'all. They absolutely loved y'all. Like, and, and we were like, this is a setup. You see all this language? <laughs> I was like, hold on, hold on, wait a minute. Wait, two rehearsals? Hold on. I was like, y'all can do it. And it was, it was a little bit of a test for me because we talked about this earlier. There's a certain thing with me that like I know that if I'm doing it, I know I can get it done. I know how to get it done. But I was like, okay, they gotta learn all this music and all these languages and you know, and piece it all together and sequence it all together. And there's a lot of missing factors and the show was being had been changed a lot because of our Broadway run and it hadn't been translated yet to like the sheet music and stuff like that. And I was like, I can't be there physically to direct and teach them through this. But I was like, I can manage it from afar. So there was a little bit of like, okay, now you're not actually going to be there. <laughs> you know? So right. I was like, it, it really was a full trust, like, in you guys. I was like, no, like, I picked these. I picked them because I know they can do it, and I've seen their talent, and I've seen their work ethic, and I know how passionate they are, and I know how much they would actually appreciate this opportunity. Because I've really seen did. people I wouldn't have done Guys and Dolls if I didn't do... Um... What do you call it? Oh, Rocktopia. Because Randy was like, come audition for the show. You should audition for the show. And I was just like, okay, I've always wanted to be nicely because I've always wanted to you sing. You were so good. I was uh, rewatching your video again like last week. Like, it was such an amazement so moment. And I thought I sounded great. You like, sounded so good. Oh my gosh. Like that's one of those moments where I didn't even realize. I was like, even like with the accent, I was like, wow, I really sound like a different person or like I sound like a singer. Like, there's sometimes I feel like my singing voice just sounds like my talking voice. But I'm like, I actually sounded like a singer. I look like a, like a different person up there. So, again, I was just so happy. And that's why I, take, I do certain things, like whether it's community theater as a volunteer, because it leads me to different opportunities. And also, I still get to uh, reach out and affect people, make people happy, make them feel, make them think. Do a community theater. Because at the end of the day, also, I tell people this all the time. You do not have to have a degree to be in this business. The only thing that is required of you is that you know what you're doing. And the only way that you can know what you're doing is by having the experience. And if that is in community theater, that's in community theater. So much I of my resume. I would never have been ready for any of that stuff without being in all yeah. these shows here. And it's like my most of, so much of my resume was community the theater. Playhouse and like, Academy. I got to, literally, <laughs> like between, you know, YSU and the Playhouse. And I got to play a lot of roles that I would never play. You know, because right. like, in the real world, I'd, I would never be Bobby or Warner. Because why would I be? You know, why would Bobby be black? And, you know, people people ain't trying to play when it comes to a movie. Right. You know, they ain't trying to change all that. So me being Warner was never going to happen. Right. You know, but playing those roles and being able to be challenged by those roles and doing them in productions that were actually really good, like that, that was a huge part. I of feel the same way. Even if I'm a character role for Donkey or like I've been able to be Donkey, Scarecrow, Sebastian, uh, and whatever the other characters are. But even though I, they're my character type, I might never be able to play, play all of those professionally mm -hmm. anywhere. So the fact that I was able to, I'm so thankful for my opportunities and experiences 
through community theater. And for me also doing shows, I always wanted to learn something on stage and learn something off stage. I learned how to conduct myself. I learned that when I'm in a show, I need to listen and it's not my job to give my opinion on how I think the show should go. Cause I'm not mm-hmm. the director. Like I learned all of those things being in shows. I did always try to leave with a, a new trait. I did a show one time with a bunch of kids. I was like, Oh, uh-uh, never again. But then I was like, no, you know what? I need to know how to handle this situation. I'm glad I went through this situation because sometimes I didn't want to be there. But I was like, no, this is a job and I'm here to do a job. So even if I don't want to be here, I need to know how to conduct myself. that happens on every level. I was explaining to someone, and this isn't necessarily a bad thing when it comes to finding Neverland as far as my experience. But I was saying, you know, sometimes it was hard for me because a lot of the cast was younger because of the nature of the show. You know, like... Every tour is different. Every show is going to be different. And it's all dependent on what show you're doing because it's of who it requires to be in it. And so Neverland is a show that's kind of split down the middle. You have your characters, like your lead roles and your supporting characters that, that are a certain kind of way. You know, we were presented a certain kind of way. We were adults. We were very sophisticated. We were actors. The other half of the play cast is, you know, your Peter Pan and your Wendy and your pirates and those characters and the ensemble who are not only the fun characters, but they are heavily dancing. And so what happened oh, yes. when it was cast was... I you love had, that show, by the way. <laughs> it's, it's gorgeous. It's one of my favorite shows. I'm so glad that I got to be part of the, you know, the history of what that show is, you know, leaving Broadway and then the tours. Um, but the way it was cast was, you know, you're in a dance show on the road. All your dancers are going to be very close to fresh out of college age. So there was a divine split down the center where half the cast was, you know, 22, 23, 24. And the other half of us were 29, 30, 31, 32. And then you had like, you know, one or two people that were playing older roles that were there, but we, it was a very strong divide. And those couple of years, those mid 20 years, that's a night and day change on a person. Oh yeah. Believe me, I haven't been through it. Like our girl, my very, very good friend. I love her so much. Melody Rose. She played Peter Pan. She was fresh out of school. She, she went to Juilliard and she was cast as Peter Pan. And this was her first professional job period. And she was on the road, you know, and there were a lot of them where this was their first tour. This was very early on in their careers. You know what I mean? They're still learning themselves. Right. You know, and then there were those of us that are in our 30s where we're like, this ain't my first radio. Um, I also know what I am doing, what I'm absolutely not doing. I'm, you know, so there was, there was that. And it's like that on every level, you're always going to have those kind of things. You're always going to have those situations where it's like, dang, this is what I'm working with. But if I was touring in, you know, like when I did Ragtime, completely different story because it requires a different kind of people. I was the youngest person. Or I wasn't the youngest person, but I was like, considered young. I was 27 and like everybody was, you know, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, like in those areas. And there was only a few of us that were like in our twenties. You know, Corey had told me that um, about Shrek. He's like, this is the first time I'm like one of the older people in the cast. He was like the third oldest person in the cast. So he wasn't used to the dynamic of being that person for the younger people or mm-hmm. dealing with so many people that were younger because almost 80%, 85% of the cast were current students or just mm-hmm. graduated, found out they got the job when they were in school. I almost hated it because it put me back in that mode where there was like, you know, I'm already, I'm already the dad, but then I felt like I was extra the dad because of that. And the past <laughs> like, that. few years, you know, I've gotten used to 
working with people that were my age. Like I've always been, you know, one of the younger ones or working with people who are my age since I started working professionally. So when we got to that, I was just like, it's a lot of youngins up in here. And like, I adore them. They're like, we're all close friends now. But right. I was like, you know, they were going through young problems while, you know, I was going through grown problems and we were all on the bus together. Oh, yes, 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 you know? yes, yes, yes. <laughs> So I was like, together. it just, I was like, man, I thought that like this wasn't going to be an issue like ever again, but it still happens. You know what I mean? It just depends on the show. I know that I knew the cast for, you know, Rent very well. And it's like the cast very much reflected the people they were playing. You know, that's what you always have to consider. You know, when you're going to do a show, like when you're thinking about the people, it's like, well, think about the kind of people that are in the show. You know, they are casting people to represent those kind of people. Right. <laughs> those, you know, those traits, those qualities that, that they need, you know. Anytime it's going to be a dance show, it's going to be a lot of personalities that you ain't trying to I would love for us to be able to do a to tour together. <laughs> oh, my goodness. If we uh, toured together, I would be so happy. Oh, uh, that would be a dream come true. But that's what I want to be able to produce for us. That's the type of work I want to do. I want us to be, eventually be able to get to a place because I like to create my own stuff. I like creating my own music. Um, trying. That's why I'm glad we have FAF to have the opportunity to just write stuff to no matter, you know, succeed or fail. That's what the risk is of being in this business. And I'm not afraid of any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. I used to be so afraid but I'm not afraid anymore but we will be wrapping this up you know we got to get to rehearsal soon but what do you want to say to the people in the city and to your cast of dream girls um to everyone that may be listening I think my biggest life lesson is knowing how to identify fear you know being able to Look at a situation and saying, okay, that's happening because I'm afraid. Or this is happening because I'm afraid of X, Y, and Z. You know, being able to sit down and look at yourself and say, okay, why isn't this working? And then keep asking why, like not just stopping. And we're like, oh, that's happening because you didn't do that. I'm like, oh, okay. Normally I would just be like, okay, but let me just go and do that. But then, you know, I need to stop and ask, why did I not do that? Well, I didn't do that because I didn't want to do that. Why didn't you want to do that? Well, I didn't want to do that because I'm afraid of X, Y, and Z. And I don't want that to result in A, B, and C. And most of my life has been manipulated by fear. And I, it took me way too long to realize that how much I was being manipulated by my fears. And people still are. And we don't, they, you know, fear, my friend Mina used to say, fear is like, Fear is theater. Fear exists in theater because it knows how to dress itself up as so many other things and put its put like a costume on and be so many different things and disguise itself so that you can't um, recognize that it's fear. But at the end of the day, it's fear just in a dress and lipstick and a wig. (laughs) And being able to identify and conquer those fears and not you know and walk into a room and like be able to get through this audition song without thinking to myself like they think I'm too fat before I walk it before I start singing or they think I'm too black right. before I start singing you know what I mean being able to get those things out of the way and not being afraid to say like I'm afraid of that and like let yourself walk down that road and talk about why you're afraid of it and how to not be afraid of it anymore and you can't drag anybody through that any faster than they're going to understand for themselves mm-hmm. and me and older like for me and Trey I'm like I know fear can hold me back and I see fear holding you back and I'm doing my best to not let it hold you back because that's all it is it's just being afraid and you can't relive these years let's go ahead and 
I didn't figure it out right now, so I do my best to try to drag him through it, but he got to figure it out on his own, and that goes to everyone in that situation. And if you're going to fall, just fall. And, like, that's that was the biggest thing. It was like, okay, well, I'm afraid to fail. I'm really afraid to fail, and I'm afraid to blah, 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 blah. And then I was like, why, though? That's that's when it really it was like, okay, Listen, you I fail, failed you many nights at open mic, okay? <laughs> you fail, you just fail. And then after you fail, it's over. You just get up and try again. But right. it's that first... You know, and that's what I was going through just with the injury and not performing all those other things. Like, I'll never forget when I did book ragtime. First of all, my mind was blown because I was just like, okay, well, I, they've, I'm broken and fat and they still like hired me and took me. <laughs> but, you know, just talking to people and getting to know them, people who have been working and them looking at me, asking me, like, why aren't you working? Like, why aren't you in New York? Like, why aren't you trying? And I didn't have real answers because the truth was I was afraid. It was all fear. And because so many things did not go according to my plan or according to the way that I was hoping that they would go and I was praying that they would go, I was just like, oh, this isn't meant for me. I'm a failure. I can't do it. Like, And I'm too afraid to like jump out there and try this again after all of this has happened. So like, don't be... Do not let fear run you. You know what I mean? It's okay to be afraid of something, but you need to right. identify why you're afraid of it and deal with it. Right. Fear don't run you. You run fear. Boom. Oh, there we go. Something like that. But I want to thank you so very much for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. This was a lovely me. conversation. I it learned was. a few new things about you. Actually, a couple of questions I know that you weren't expecting. Like, oh, okay. So, okay. Ooh. Ooh. All right, but that's that's life. That's what one of the reasons I love doing this. Thank you for being such a great friend and an inspiration to us all. And um, I know a lot of people don't ask for a lot, but I do. And I know if you win an award, I want to hear my name. <laughs> so I'm gonna put it out there first. If somebody don't want to ask, I'm I'm asking. <laughs> you, you you could just hit me with a road dog. <laughs> and I know exactly what you talk about. You Listen. know I love you. Um, well, we about to get here. I'm more than excited to be back. On stage with you Because it's fun This is where we had all our fun So I'm excited for everyone To see us back together You got the Scarecrow And Richie Eddie and whatever your name was (laughs) Um, I cannot remember it But We gotta run them all down one day Yes we got to Yes yes Oh my goodness But ladies and gentlemen This has been James Major Burns And Joshua William Green And this Is the third degree (laughs) Bye bye